0: Oh, oh yes, good morning. Um, I'm inquiring about the insurance policies that you have on offer. Yes, that's right. Uh, for climbing a tree. Yes, I know it's a daft idea, yes. Yes, I could stay on solid ground. Uh, but I need to get higher up, don't I? Um, I also need to run and look like an idiot while I'm doing it. Does your policy cover that? No. Really? Ah. it doesn't cover looking daft, or running. Uh, why not? Well, I just need to do it. I can't really stroll along sedately, can I? There'll be crowds, because the word has got round that he's coming, and it's going to be like Blackpool on a bank holiday round here. Oh, and let me tell you, some of the locals here are mean, worse than the Bake Off fans when they heard about the move to Channel 4. This lot can be brutal with their getting to the front of the queue policies. They have elbows like broken bottles. Yes, well, normally I do have protection. I have bodyguards. Believe me, mate, I need them. I am not popular. What? Oh, um, I collect taxes. On the level? Of course it's not on the level. Why would I be on the level? I work for the Romans. They're not on the level. So I need to double what they ask to line my own... I mean, to make a decent living. But people don't tend to like being fleeced for some strange reason. So that's something else that I wanted to ask you about. I need accident cover, just in case one of the locals sees me up the tree and hurls abuse, or more likely a rock or an old dustbin. Do you cover that? No. Right, so basically you're offering me nothing, just a bit of hopeless advice. Don't leave the ground, stay on the level, don't climb a tree. But I can't. I don't know why, I just... Well, you've heard the stories, haven't you? Ah, haven't you? Well, Jesus is turning up, and they say he's not prejudiced like other people. They say he's different, so I want to see what he's like. I could do with a friend or two around here. You know they say money talks. Well, they're wrong. It doesn't. It sits around in piles, making you feel lonely. So maybe he could help with that. But I'm never going to get a glimpse if I stay on the level, am I? You know, on the ground. I need to run, I need to climb a tree, and stick my neck out. All you have to do is guarantee I won't get injured, hit by a full dustbin, or look like an idiot. So will you cover any of that? No, not at all. Well, thank you so very much for nothing. Well, I can guarantee you one thing. I will be calling again and talking to your boss, so you'd better pray that nothing unexpected happens when I climb that tree. Otherwise, you're going to be in very big trouble. You're going to need a really big tree to avoid the boys I'm going to send round. What? No, I can't hold the line to speak to somebody else. I was waiting on the line 35 minutes before I got through to you, listening to I Will Survive on repeat. And to be honest, I wasn't convinced that I would survive. Besides, I can hear the crowds gathering, and I need to start running for it before anyone spots me out there alone without my heavies. Goodbye.
1: To balance that, Emma's going to come and read Luke chapter 19. Thanks, Emma.
2: Today's readings from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot... I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Oh, I feel like dancing. It's foolishness, I know. Zacchaeus was prepared to look foolish, he couldn't get his insurance cover to look foolish but he was prepared to look foolish because he sensed inside that there was something about Jesus that was going to change things. He was um, a wealthy man, a man who had a position in society, and yet he was willing to run down the street and climb up a tree in order to see Jesus because he longed for joy. He longed for joy in his life. And when he met Jesus... And Jesus looked him in the face and said, Zacchaeus, today I want to come to your house. He knew that life was never going to be the same again. He knew acceptance. He knew welcome. He knew closeness. He knew fellowship. And he gave back more than he owed. And his life from then on was never going to look the same. It would be a life filled with joy. It's a really good story, isn't it? A story of somebody who's been going one way in one direction, meets Jesus and then changes and focuses in another way and life is never the same again. We're going to see a modern day story a bit like that. A man who was going in one direction, who met Jesus and his life went in the other direction. So let's have that, that first one.
3: after I'd been out of work for about 12 months, because I was quite close to my family, uh, they wondered why I hadn't been ringing them or speaking to them. So my dad came up with a car and with a trailer on the back and came and knocked on the door I was living in and said, son, you need to come home. So I was like, oh, okay, dad. Look, it's the cold air, it's not the real tear. And, uh, and I said, OK, Dad, because I was just messed up. I was, I was stoned most of the time, and it was just not working. Life was just not happening for me. I needed someone to pull me out. So I got all my stuff together, a couple of bags, put them in the car. I so said, I didn't need to bring the trailer, Dad, actually. I haven't got that much stuff. And I came down to Bristol. And within a, a, a few months, I'd got myself a job with uh, a company. And I was working with, with them as a service engineer. And after a while, I, w- I got uh, promoted in the company and started doing really well. And I got into a sales executive job. And after a few years, I was earning between sort of eight and £9,000 a month take home, which for someone who was like in their 20s at this point was very, very good. And I was quite happy about that. So I was eating out every night. Every night was a Friday and Saturday night. We were out on the lash and stuff. I got into the clubbing scene. Um, as a result of that, we were popping some ecstasy uh, tablets and speed and stuff just to keep awake and be able to drink lots of drink and stuff. Um, and with that came lots of relationships which I'm not proud of now but um, yeah, I had like, lots of girlfriends and stuff and uh, it was quite a battle to kind of balance between any of them not finding out about each other. And it got to a place really where I think there's this lie in life that if you attain... A certain level of success so if you've got a really nice car, you've got a really big bank account and you can eat out all the time and you can do all these certain things that people think you'll be happy. Now I thought that but the thing was I'd achieved it because I was earning so much money then I kind of, I, I came to a place where I realized there was that it didn't satisfy. I had all these things but yet I was still empty inside and so I thought, what is going on here? I've got the money, I've got the car, I've got the girls, I've got the drink and the food and the pills and stuff like that. But yet, even though they give me a buzz on the inside when I take all those things, because I'd be lying if they didn't, it still didn't satisfy. It left me empty afterwards. And so I thought, what is it? It must be England. It must be, it must be the women around here. It must be the clubs and stuff. It's just rubbish. What's happening? So I decided that what I'd do is I'd go travelling. So I told my employer that I wanted a month off work. And I thought, if I go away and I find myself, I find out what life's all about, actually, I can just stay there and stuff them, and I would have got an extra month's pay. So and we with my friend of mine and and friend of me we got our backpacks together uh, we went on a plane went over to Hong Kong went over to Thailand did a bit of island hopping and stuff and we saw lots of great stuff but whilst we were out there I started to really think and I and I think it was because I was taking time out of just the busyness of what I was used to and I started to just seek for a bigger answer and i would never had a problem with God really being there but I didn't know how I could know God and when I came back to England, my brother had been investigating um, Christianity, and he uh, signed me up for this course called an Alpha course, which was an opportunity to just ask all the big questions about life. Who's God? does he heal today? Like, what about the devil? What, what's going on? What is there more to life than this? What about heaven and stuff? So I went on this course, um, and I got to ask those questions, and I was really kind of, yeah, right, you're not going to convert me. But actually, over a period of time, I realised that God was there, which I, I didn't really have a problem with. But the reason that I didn't know him was there was so much stuff in my life that I'd done wrong, let's call it sin, it was like blocking me from knowing God. And I discovered that the way that I could know God was I could, I could come to him through jesus that god sent his son jesus to die on a cross to forgive me of for all the mess and the stuff that i had done wrong and i could then have that lifted off me and enter a relationship with god and so one afternoon it was a summer's day i went up on this big hill bit of a bruce almighty experience uh, well i was hoping for and i got out of my car and went onto this field and it was sunny and the sun was setting and i just kind of made sure there was no one looking and i was up there and i was like right god if you're there That's it. I'm going to become a Christian. I want to give my life to you. I'm sorry for all the things I've done. I give my life to you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me, Jesus. And I'm like waiting. And I'm waiting. And actually, it didn't feel like anything happened at the time. And you know like those cartoons where like when uh, the lightning bolt hits, there's like the boots that are left smoking. And I thought something like that was going to happen, but it didn't. But actually what i had done at that point was really sincere and i would made that commitment to God and give my life to him and actually after the next the, the next few months after that my life radically changed uh, just all the things that were wrong in my life the things that I was doing the relationships I was in the stuff I was saying that was coming out of, out of my mouth all changed not because I thought I'd better be good now because I'm a Christian but because God had come into my life and he changed my heart he
1: was living the life that he thought would give him joy He had everything, he had money, he had women, he had drink, he had drugs, he had the big car. But he couldn't find that joy. And it was only when he came and met with Jesus that he realised that actually that was going to give him the joy. And that's the stories we love, isn't it? Someone who's going so obviously the wrong way. They meet Jesus, their life is changed and their life is full of joy. And we hear those stories time and time again. We read the books. You go into the Christian bookshop, and they're all there. And they are so precious, because they are people speaking of experiencing that joy. But we all should be experiencing that joy. Because actually, life with Jesus should fill us all with joy. And I was thinking this week, thinking, you know, why isn't it that, I don't always feel that, that I haven't always got those amazing stories. Sometimes I wish I had the story of, well, actually, you should have seen my life in my 20s. It was going that way. Oh, God did the work in my life, and now I'm like this. But I haven't got that story to tell. Because I've got a story that says I've always known Jesus. And actually, he's been changing me all the time. In small ways that sometimes I can't even see but I know that he's been changing me from the moment I met him as a child. knew Jesus' love in my life and wanted to do, live the way that, you know, of life that meant I was walking with him. And so I should be rejoicing. I should be running through the street making a fool of myself, saying, you should experience this joy. When Jesus is in your life, we should be filled with joy. And I think sometimes we limit it to those amazing testimonies of a life that's completely transformed. So I want to show another video, the sound quality is better on this one. Where actually this is a woman whose life has been changed, but not so radically, but with just such a strong testimony. So let's have the the next one, thank you.
4: Okay, when I was 18, I was heading uh, in one direction. So I had been learning the violin since I was seven, my heart's desire, really, was to be a violinist at that point. And it had been recommended to me that I apply for Cambridge University. I didn't think I'd get in. To my surprise, I did. So I went there to study music. To my surprise, I met some Christians there, and they weren't completely mad. And there was one guy who particularly impressed me. Um, he was a first-year, he was talking with a lot of second-years, but I was impressed by his confidence but by his humility as well and i looked at him and thought he's got something that i haven't got and that made me really curious Uh, i went along to a few meetings and without anybody really telling me what to do instinctively i asked god to know him and he answered that i didn't expect him to i wasn't sure what was going to happen but what happened for me was that night I went home to my room at university. I sat down and I was, I cried. Don't know what else to say. It wasn't bad crying. It was very good crying for me. The next morning I woke up and the only thing I can describe was I felt like I had a different heart. I felt like my old heart was um, like a balloon that you blow up and let down, blow up, and let down, blow up, and let down, is a really old manky used rubbery horrible balloon. And I felt that had been taken out, and something different, a fully pumped up, beautiful heart full of love, God's love, was put inside me. And I just carried on doing what I normally did, but I suddenly felt the Spirit of God, God was with me in some way. He was there for me to talk to, I suddenly found myself talking to Him, listening, praying, and later on I discovered that that was what God does. I've become a Christian and I at that point said okay I want to follow you and he very gently talked to me about what might be good for me in my life and gave me a love for people that I didn't know I might have and much as I loved music I discovered that I actually loved working with young people more and that's the path he's taken me on and part of becoming a believer for me and following Jesus was following Jesus to be close to God to be close to his heart, but to be close to the kind of people that Jesus was close to in the Bible, to those who were struggling, maybe on the outsides of society, those people who um, had needed a bit of support and help. So I moved from my home to an inner city estate in Manchester to live and work with young people, which I've been doing for 18 years. Now, some people might think that's a bit of a backward step, but I actually feel for me it's given me a life of joy, that I've had joy in doing this, that I wouldn't have had if I'd have been struggling um, playing the violin. And God may well call other people to be a musician or whatever, but for me, he gave me what was best for me. And part of that was uh, sharing my story and just being alongside young people, listening to them and having the opportunity to share good news. It's almost like, I want to describe it like being given... Uh, a million pounds in my bank account, and being told or given a lottery ticket that uh, I, you know, says you've won the lottery. But not only once, I can pass it on to other people. They can win it too. And the the love, the peace, the joy that I have in my relationship with God uh, is something that everybody can have. His things are not just for me; they're for the whole world. And to know that you're loved that you're valued, that you're precious in the sight of God, is really good news. And that's what I love being for young people, I hope, and sharing with them.
1: So a different story. Um, Studying music at Cambridge doesn't seem to be going in the wrong direction. But for this uh, woman, it was more about living with Jesus and letting that influence the job she ended up doing. So she now works with young people, sharing the joy that she's experienced with other people who wouldn't necessarily have heard of Jesus. And again, I love that story because that's not a sort of, I was this and now I'm that. She's just the same person. But her priorities have changed, her motivation has changed, and her biggest desire is to to walk with Jesus and to let him rain in her life and for that to flow through her to other people. She longs for other people to know the joy that she has experienced herself. So Zacchaeus had this transformation. And he realised that faith in Jesus led to joy. The first man knew that same transformation. He was completely on the wrong track. He met Jesus, his life changed and he led, led a different way of living. But Helen, the woman there, wasn't such a dramatic change but nonetheless she experienced Mm -hmm. joy when she met jesus and that affected the rest of her life so my question is why don't we feel that joy more and more why aren't we living out that joy that we read in zacchaeus that makes us want to climb a tree and be a fool for jesus why is it that actually we struggle to find the joy And I want to read a story. This is John Ortberg, and it's it's him writing about his family. Some time ago, I was giving a bath to our three children. I had a custom of bathing them together, more to save time than anything else. Johnny was still in the tub, Laura was out and safely in her pyjamas, and I was trying to get Mallory dried. Mallory was out of the water, but was doing what has come to be known in our family as the da-da dance. This consists of her running around and round in circles, singing over and over again, da-da, da-da. It's relatively simple dance, expressing great joy. When she's too happy to hold it in any longer, when words are inadequate to give voice to her euphoria, she has to dance to release her joy. So she does the da-da dance. On this particular occasion, I was irritated Mallory, hurry, I prodded. So she did. She began running in circles faster and faster and chanting da-da, da-da more rapidly. No, Mallory, that's not what I meant. Stop with the da-da stuff and get over here so I can dry you off. Hurry. Then she asked a profound question. Why? I had no answer. I had nowhere to go, nothing to do, no meetings to attend, no sermons to write. I was just so used to hurrying, so preoccupied with my own little agenda, so trapped in this rut of moving from one task to another, that here was life, here was joy, here was an invitation to the dance right in front of me, and I was missing it. So I got up, and Mallory and I did the da dance together unlike mine mallory's life is unstuffed she just lives while she's taking a bath it's a dada moment when it's time to get dried that's another one after she's dry it will be time for another life is a series of dada moments each moment is pregnant with possibility mallory doesn't miss many of them she is teaching me about joy Joy is at the heart of God's plan for human beings. Joy is at the heart of God himself. We will never understand the significance of joy in human life until we understand its importance to God. I suspect that most of us seriously underestimate God's capacity for joy. We should be about joy. Our lives should be full of joy. And maybe we are just too full of stuff running around, busy agendas that we miss the tada moments. I wonder if you just want to turn to the person next to you and just think of a tada moment that you can remember in the last month. Let's hope we've got one moment in the last month of a joyful moment, a tada moment. And just encourage one another to look out for one in the next week. So just quick question to each other, a ta-da moment that you've noticed. (laughs) Hopefully lots of ta-da moments. So here's my challenge. Lent starts on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. Normally we think of Lent as... A really hard time when you give up all the nice things and you struggle through six weeks. You could look at it differently. You could look at Lent as a time to practice a new discipline, a new discipline of looking for joy. And there's lots of ways that you could do it. You could take a photograph every day of a tadah moment. You've all got, well, most of us have phones with cameras on them. Spot the tadah moments. And take a picture every day. You could have a blessings jar at home. You could start empty on Wednesday and you can write all the Tada moments that you notice through Lent and fill up the blessings jar. And when you really are struggling, just dip your hand in, pull one out and remind yourself that there is joy in our busy lives. Or you might want to do something more active. There is something called 40 acts during Lent, where we actively look to bless other people, to find ways of being generous or kind to other people. It's a great website, 40 Acts, is what it's called. Just Google search 40 Acts, and you'll get into your email box every day a challenge of something to do to help bring joy to somebody else. So this Lent is a Lent of joy, a Lent of ta